What's happening in the world coming up on NTD News? First, our top stories. UAW expanding its historic strike once again, hitting two of the three big automakers. The union's leader announced new plans this morning. California Senator Dianne Feinstein dies at 90 years old. She was the oldest member of the U.S. Senate. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy urging action on the border crisis as reporters ask him about the potential government shutdown. Find out what he has to say. A new report alleges the Biden administration spent billions to house illegal immigrants. Meanwhile, Elon Musk visits the border and offers a solution to the crisis. And New York City in a state of emergency as life-threatening flash floods pummeled the Northeast. Millions are impacted. We have the latest. Welcome to NTD News Today. I'm Chris Beers. Our top news, the United Auto Workers Union is set to begin a new round of strikes at Ford and General Motors, expanding the ongoing walkouts that started in mid-September. The union made the announcement this morning. Despite our willingness to bargain, Ford and GM have refused to make meaningful progress at the table. That's why at noon Eastern time today, we will expand our strike to these two companies. To be clear, negotiations haven't broke down. We're still talking with all three companies. And I'm still very hopeful that we can reach a deal. Thousands of workers will join the strike, which is now entering its third week. Auto workers are pushing for higher wages and benefits and the elimination of a tiered standard that pays newer workers far less. Here with us live is NTD Business host Don Ma. Don, give us the latest on the strike. Sure. So at noon today, the UAW will expand the strike. Uh, Fane said this just moments ago. He's calling on an additional 7,000 members to go on strike uh, across Ford and GM plants. So now for Ford, uh, the Chicago assembly plant is targeted. And for GM, the GM Lansing Delta assembly plant uh, will be targeted. Uh, Fane said that negotiations, you know, haven't broke down, but, you know, talks at Ford and GM haven't made a meaningful progress. Uh, but despite that, uh, no additional members will go on strike at Stellantis because uh, Fane said that there has been some progress, uh, progress in negotiations with them. Um, so you know, at noon Eastern time today, a total of 25,000 will be on strike. And what will be the impact of the additional strikers? Right. Uh, so the GM plant in Delta Township uh, near Lansing makes large crossover SUVs, uh, you know, like the Chevrolet Traverse. And the Chicago Ford plant makes uh, the Ford Explorer and Explorer Police Interceptors. Uh, so, you know, by the way, the Explorer Interceptor is the nation's top selling police vehicle. Um, so there's that. Uh, on, on top of all of this, the union has also vowed to hit automakers harder, actually, if it does not receive improved contract offers. Where do the negotiations stand right now? Uh, so Fain said that negotiations were moving slowly, but uh, the automakers' uh, last known wage offers uh, were around 20% over the life of a four-year contract. So, you know, this is a little bit more than half of what the union is demanding. 
meanwhile, other contract improvements uh, like cost of uh, living increases, restoration of defined benefit pensions for newly hired workers and an end to tiers of wages within the union are also on the table. Uh, it, the union actually initially targeted one assembly plant from each company. Last week, uh, it added 38 parts distribution centers uh, run by GM and Stellantis. Ford was actually spared during the second round of expanded strikes because the talks uh, with the union were progressing. But it seems like uh, Ford wasn't spared for the third round, as Fain announced today. And Don, how widespread are the strikes now with the additional members walking off the job? Yeah, so with an extra 7,000 uh, striking, uh, so that means around 17% of the union's total members would be off the job. And now because it's only 17%, right, this is allowing it to preserve its strike fund, uh, which is uh, totaling around $825 million. Now, if all of the union's auto workers went on strike, the fund would be actually depleted in less than three months. Uh, right now, the union uh, has structured its walkout in a way that has allowed the companies to keep making pickup trucks and large SUVs, which is the company's top selling and most profitable vehicles. Uh, the union has shut down assembly plants in Missouri, Ohio, and Michigan that make mid-size pickup trucks, commercial vans, and mid-size SUVs. Now, these vehicles are profitable as well, but don't make as much money as the larger vehicles. All right, great reporting as always, Don. Thank you very much, Chris. Senator Dianne Feinstein has died at the age of 90. The California Democrat was the longest serving female senator in U.S. history. She was also the oldest current member at the time of her death. Feinstein, a former mayor of San Francisco, was first elected to the U.S. Senate in 1992. Some of her consequential work includes the 1994 federal assault weapons ban and the 2014 CIA torture report. Recently, Feinstein's health became a subject of increasing scrutiny. She took an extended absence from the Senate in February when she was hospitalized with shingles. She returned three months later after suffering multiple complications. There was also another brief stay in the hospital in August after a fall. Lawmakers paid tribute to Feinstein's legacy on the Senate floor. As California's longest serving senator, Senator Feinstein broke barriers and blazed a trail for women. Her career was, by any standards, historic. The sign of a leader is someone who dedicates the whole of their spirit for a cause greater than themselves. The sign of a hero is someone who fights for others, who endures for others, no matter the cost, no matter the odds. And the sign of a friend is someone who stands by your side to fight the good fight on the good days and on the bad. Diane Feinstein was all of this and more. Those of us who were fortunate to call Diane our colleague can say we served alongside the longest serving female senator in American history. Diane was a trailblazer in her beloved home state of California, and our entire nation are better for her dogged advocacy and diligent service. California Governor Gavin Newsom now has the power to appoint someone to serve out the rest of Senator Feinstein's term. Lawmakers still have work to do. 
The government shutdown deadline is midnight on Saturday, and Republicans say the bigger issue is the border. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy led a news conference today. He says that across America, even many Democrats are fed up. McCarthy talked about Democratic Party leadership across multiple states who are in agreement with Republicans over the border issue. Republicans are hoping that border provisions can be taken into account as lawmakers try to prevent a government shutdown. Some of McCarthy's Republican colleagues want the party to focus on longer-term spending bills instead of temporary stopgap measures. And Republicans disagree with Democrat efforts to tie government funding with Ukraine aid. Any border provision passed in House spending bills would still need approval in the Democrat-majority Senate. Senator Bob Menendez is planning a retreat with his donors despite corruption charges and demands for his resignation. A political action committee tied to Menendez wrote donors that a two-day event with him and his chief of staff is still on. It's scheduled to happen next month in Puerto Rico. Even though at least half of his Democratic colleagues have called for his resignation, Menendez said he isn't going anywhere. Democrats are concerned he could jeopardize a once-safe seat in a blue state if he were to run for re-election. The senator and his wife have pleaded not guilty to bribery charges. Newly uncovered documents show the Biden administration spent billions of dollars to house illegal immigrants in the U.S. That's according to public interest law firm America First Legal Foundation. The law firm also says millions of that went to a nonprofit that hired a former Biden administration staffer. Here's more on that story. The documents were obtained through litigation against the Department of Health and Human Services, or HHS, following a lawsuit by America First Legal, or AFL, in March. AFL says the documents revealed over $2 billion were spent on a contract for a former Obama and Biden administration staffer and that the money was then spent on illegal immigrants via contracts paid by multiple federal agencies to nonprofit organization Endeavors. The organization operates out of San Antonio, Texas, and provides charitable and humanitarian programs and services in the U.S. According to AFL, one of the contracts was paid out through the spring of 2023, despite the fact that the facility was empty for months due to reports of poor living conditions. AFL says Endeavors has been receiving money from contracts since the start of 2021 through the Department of Homeland Security, as well as Immigration and Customs Enforcement. They also say that around $2 million a day were spent to fund services and activities for illegal immigrants. That's including sheltered athletic facilities and cultural events, as well as intense, individualized academic support in a variety of subjects. NTD reached out to the nonprofit called Endeavor for comment on the allegations by America First Legal. We have not heard back yet. Elon Musk is on a visit to Eagle Pass, Texas, where he met with local officials and law enforcement. The tech billionaire said his visit serves to give an unfiltered view of the situation. Musk posted a video selfie of his visit on social media platform X. He called for a greatly expanded legal immigration system and suggested welcoming hardworking, honest migrants while barring entry for those breaking the law. I think we want to do both things. Uh, smooth out legal immigration and, and then uh, uh, stop uh, you know, a, a sort of a flow, a flow of people that is... Uh, of such a magnitude that is actually were leading to a collapse of social services uh, where uh, even uh, America's largest city, New York, is buckling under the pressure of 
uh, just how many um, illegal immigrants are, are going to New York. If, if New York can't handle it, well, pretty much uh, no part of the country can. Musk, a native of South Africa, noted his own status as an immigrant to the United States and called himself extremely pro-immigrant. His visit coincides with a surge in illegal immigrant crossings, with tens of thousands reported in recent days. New York City and the Northeast faces dangerous and life-threatening flash floods as heavy rainfall overwhelms streets and subways today. A month's worth of rain fell in just three hours this morning in Brooklyn with subway lines suspended and a New York LaGuardia Airport terminal closed. The governor declared a state of emergency. Up to eight inches of rain are expected in some areas, impacting roughly 25 million people in the Northeast. The National Weather Service warns a level three of four moderate risk for flash flooding. Coming up, over 200 people are arrested for a Florida human trafficking operation, including a high school teacher and several Disney employees. And the Chinese hacking we hear about in the news is just what's uncovered. But how much hacking don't we know about? We hear from an expert. More in just a moment here on NTD News Today. Welcome back. The Department of Homeland Security is investigating a ransomware attack on a government contractor. Johnson Controls is a major manufacturer of alarm and building information systems. It was hacked last week. It caused disruptions to IT systems and knocked some of the company's subsidiary websites offline. The company says disruptions to its business are ongoing. Meanwhile, officials are trying to determine if any sensitive security information was compromised, including any personally identifiable information of DHS officials. Chinese hackers appear to be waging cyber war worldwide. It was recently revealed 60,000 State Department emails were hacked this year, and Taiwan is preparing for cyber war with the Chinese regime. We bring you analysis from the CEO of Black Ops Partners, a consultancy specializing in corporate counterintelligence. Casey Fleming, Chinese hackers stole 60,000 emails from the State Department during a cyber campaign targeting Microsoft. What did they obtain and why were they going after it? The Chinese Communist Party is in search of every bit of espionage and information that they can possibly get their hands on. They have a term for it, an old saying, a thousand grains of sand, and that's what uh, espionage is. So it's any emails that they can put into a database and then search it with artificial intelligence. Remember, the Chinese Communist Party is at war with the United States. And now a State Department spokesperson told Microsoft was, said that Microsoft was the one that was hacked and that they were notified by the State Department. How does this reflect on Microsoft? Reflects, reflects very poorly on Microsoft, that their software can be uh, hijacked, the keys to the software can be hijacked, and then that, that those keys can be used to uh, really get into any email system that's based on Microsoft. So it's, it's a, a very, very uh, scary scenario. And what does this whole situation say about the U.S. government's partnership with third parties? 
Well, yeah, we have to partner with third parties because the U.S. government doesn't have the capability of creating their own software and managing their own software. But uh, the U.S. government can hold these software companies much more accountable than they currently do and make sure they're much more secure than they currently are. Uh, software by its nature is really not secure, and it's very, very difficult to, to make it secure. The analogy is Swiss cheese on top of Swiss cheese on top of Swiss cheese. That's a lot of Swiss cheese. Now, these, hack <laughs> these hackers got caught, but I imagine there are all kinds of hackers that just don't get caught. Talk to us about how much hacking could be going on behind the scenes that we'll never know about. Uh, the, the hacking that was just discovered is really a drop in a bucket, okay? Uh, and if you're looking at 60,000 emails, you have, to, you have to consider that there's at least 600 million emails that are intercepted by the Chinese Communist Party and our other, our other uh, uh, adversaries, if you will, uh, Russia, Iran, North Korea, and a, and a few others. So you have to understand that it's, a, it's, a, it's the new landscape for war. Um, it's everything short of conventional war to weaken your enemy. Um, uh, throughout the process, throughout time. Now let's turn beyond our borders. Taiwan's political and military leadership are reportedly anticipating a cyber war with Beijing. What could such a cyber war look like? Cyber war, it looks, first of all, cyber war is going on all day, every day around the world. It's stealing information, it's infiltrating networks uh, and software and hardware and microcode and all the things that make computers and networks run. And we've spent the last 40 years building up these networks uh, with really not much of a thought on cybersecurity and protection. So what that means is, is that all things are possible, everything short of conventional warfare, from shutting down the grid, well, from espionage to shutting down grids of you know, uh, electricity, water, uh, hospitals, all the things necessary to run a country, banks, uh, can be shut off with a flip, uh, flip of a switch when it comes time for war. Casey Fleming, thank you very much for your time. Thanks for having me. A traditional farewell in Virginia for Chairman of the Joint Chiefs of Staff, General Mark Milley and his wife. As the Milleys walked down the Pentagon steps for the last time yesterday, colleagues held a clap out in their honor. General Milley saluted various people standing on the steps, including his successor, General C.Q. Brown. Milley will officially pass the baton to Brown at a ceremony today. General Milley became chairman in 2019 during the Trump administration. He also previously served as the 39th chief of staff of the U.S. Army. 219 people were arrested in a Florida human trafficking operation. Authorities say a high school teacher and several Disney employees were among them. First, I want to introduce you to Maria Guzman. She's here illegally. She's from Orlando. That's right. She's one of the human traffickers. You always think of the guys being human traffickers, but she is the one facing a first-degree felony charge, which is 30 years in prison. 119 of those arrested were prostitutes. Authorities believed 21 of them were possible victims of human trafficking. The second of the two people facing human trafficking charges is Freddie Escalona, Police say he forced a woman into prostitution while she could not pay him back for an auto repair loan. 35 of those arrested are suspected illegal immigrants. 
Officials believe they are from Chile, the Bahamas, Cuba, Mexico, Venezuela, Guatemala, and Colombia. 41 of the suspects told detectives they were married. The oldest person arrested was 76, and the youngest, 18. A Peruvian national was charged with making fake bomb threats in America. The Department of Justice says Eddie Nunez Santos made fake bomb threats to more than 150 school districts, synagogues, airports, hospitals, and a shopping mall in the U.S. He made them over a period of a week between September 15th and the 21st. Authorities say Nunez presented himself online as a 15-year-old named Lucas. They say he made the threats after several minors refused to send him sexually explicit material. He was arrested September 26th in Lima, Peru. The Justice Department says the threats spanned multiple U.S. states and created massive disruptions to the targeted communities, including evacuations of thousands of school children, a lockdown at a hospital, and flight delays. Many questions, but few answers in the first congressional hearing on Maui's wildfire and the island's electric provider. The House Energy and Commerce Subcommittee questioned Hawaiian electric officials on how the fire started and whether the electrical grid in Lahaina was maintained properly. Hawaiian Electric CEO Shelley Kimura wrote in a letter before the hearing that downed lines caused the initial fire, but the fire department put out that blaze. She said power lines had been de-energized for more than six hours when another fire started in the same area. Hawaii energy official Mark Glick also submitted written testimony detailing plans to create a microgrid system where parts of the grid could be shut down when necessary. If you have any news tips or feedback for the show, please feel free to email us at news.today at ntd.com. Coming up, China blocks a U.S. executive from leaving the country. Find out why they won't let him go. And TikTok employees worldwide able to access the close contacts of politicians and celebrities. We have more on an investigation into the company's back-end tools. back, the Chinese regime has blocked a U.S. executive from leaving the country. China often places exit bans on people being investigated or on those helping the Chinese communist regime with an investigation. The Wall Street Journal reports that Michael Chan, a Hong Kong-based corporate restructuring specialist, is assisting China in an investigation. Chan was told by his employer that he can't leave after traveling to China in July. He's allowed to move around freely and is still working. China's exit bans can last for months or even years as investigations drag on. The State Department has advised Americans to reconsider going to China because of its arbitrary enforcement of laws. High-profile celebrities and politicians using TikTok could be having their closest personal contacts exposed. That's according to Forbes, which says it obtained internal company materials and tools and spoke to people who've used them. Forbes found one of TikTok's tools allows any employee around the world to access sensitive information about a person by using a back-end ID. It includes a list of connections and information about them with the ability to sort by closest ties. Searches brought up close ties of the first family 
senators, campaign accounts, actors, and top CEOs. Some of the materials show the tools can target networks of people with differing political views or those critical of the Chinese regime. Pop-ups on TikTok repeatedly ask you to sync your contacts. Close to half of the U.S. uses the China-owned app. Seventeen Chinese fishermen have been detained by Taiwan after the boat illegally entered Taiwanese territorial waters. That's according to Taiwan's Coast Guard administration today. This reportedly happened in northwestern Taiwan. The island says the Chinese fishing boat was trawling illegally. The boat bumped into the Taiwanese Coast Guard. Literally, the two vessels collided when the Chinese crew refused to let the Coast Guard board for an inspection. Nobody was injured, and the fishermen have now been taken to Taipei port for further investigation. Tensions are flaring elsewhere in the South China Sea as well. Video released by the Philippine Coast Guard shows a diver cutting the cables of a 900-plus-foot-long string of buoys. The country says Chinese Coast Guard boats installed the barrier. The purpose? To prevent Philippine fishermen from accessing fertile fishing grounds. What's happening and why does it matter? Let's hear from Andrews Core, principal at Core Analytics, Inc. Andrews Core, thank you for joining us. Explain for us this China-Philippines conflict unfolding in the South China Sea right now. For years, I mean, going back to the 30s, uh, China has claimed uh, this huge chunk of the South China Sea, and they've and their claims have gotten bigger over time. At first, they just put a line on a map, and then decades later, they started. Uh, you know, in the 70s, they were grabbing the Paracel Islands and other islands, and uh, then in the 80s, they grabbed another island uh, from the from the Philippines, and uh, it just keeps going on. In the 90s. Now, now what we're looking at is an, an island that they're trying to grab, Scarborough Shoal, and what they've done is they've strung up a barrier, a floating barrier, at the reef of the shoal, which I've actually visited with some China, uh, Philippine fishermen, and we were confronted by uh, the Coast Guard, the Chinese Coast Guard at the time. Um, but it, it, uh, you know, this this is their typical salami slicing strategy of take a little, keep taking little bits and hope that you don't get a reaction. Well, thank goodness the Philippine Coast Guard has finally reacted and cut the cord of this floating barrier. So it's a, it's a success uh, for a small nation standing up against a big bully, um, and uh, hopefully the U.S. backs them up. Now, you mentioned that you were there at the shoal, at this shoal in 2016. Uh, you said You've said that the Coast Guard, the Chinese Coast Guard, actually threatened your life there. Tell us what happened. Well, you know, there are rules about how you comport yourself on the on the seas. And, uh, you know, you've got to be very careful with your ships and things. We were in a very small wooden uh, fishing boat, you know, a couple, you know, tens of meters. And uh, the Chinese Coast Guard were in very, very large metal steel cutters. Uh, and they came up within a few meters of us and started rocking their boat, which violently rocked our boat um, and, and started throwing things around the deck and things. People could have fallen off um, if they had accidentally bumped into our boat. They, they could have crashed it and we would have, you know, would have sunk. Unfortunately, the International Court of Justice 
um, the, uh, the an arbitration tribunal in The Hague um, ruled that Scarborough Shoal is a common fishing area of the Philippines, China, and uh, Vietnam. Now, in general, this shoal was uh, the the South China Sea claims of China were invalidated uh, by the uh, tribunal, but in this particular case, in the in the case of the shoal, um, they were given rights to fish there, even though it's within the exclusive economic zone of the Philippines. So I think it was a, a faulty ruling, but uh, but they definitely are not not allowed by international law to string up a floating barrier. So the Philippine Coast Guard was entirely within its rights to cut that barrier. Now, what I'd like to see, and, and they were absolutely right to do so, but what I'd like to see is a stronger statement by the United States in support of, uh, the, of the Philippine Coast Guard and the Philippines. Um, we are a treaty nation. You know, we have a treaty with, a defense treaty with the Philippines. We ought to come out in strong support of the Philippines. All right, Anders Kaur, that's all the time we have. Thank you very much for your insight. Thank you. Ukrainian tank crews in eastern Ukraine are eager for the first deliveries of U.S. Abrams tanks to Kyiv. They see it as a boost for protection and firepower in battle. It would be good to have more ammunition and firearms, tanks, artillery, jets, and more manpower because there are wounded and killed among the infantry. The Abrams tank has protection against ammunition detonation. This tank does not have it. If ammunition detonates, there is no chance to survive. Ukrainian President Volodymyr Zelensky said Ukraine received its first shipment of Abrams tanks to help defend against Russia. Ukrainian tank crews training in the Donetsk region of eastern Ukraine are still using Soviet-era tanks. They say once the Abrams tanks are deployed, it will be a big step up. A tank commander said his team needed the additional firepower and protection offered by the Abrams and other Western tanks. And now some short headlines from Europe. The European Union is close to reaching an agreement on how to handle irregular immigration. The ministers aim to establish a system to share immigrants who reach Europe outside official border crossings. The EU Home Affairs Commissioner said a formal decision would be made soon without providing further details. Roughly 250,000 irregular arrivals were recorded this year. Most are migrants escaping conflicts and poverty in the Middle East, Africa, and South Asia. Now to Moscow. Russian President Vladimir Putin met with a former top commander of the Wagner Mercenary Group. Talk centered on how the volunteer units are used in the war in Ukraine. The meeting highlights the Kremlin's attempt to assert control over the group. That was after a failed mutiny led by the late Wagner chief who died in a plane crash. The ex-commander now works at the defense ministry and may oversee what remains of Wagner. Over to Kosovo, the country's president is accusing Serbia of orchestrating a shootout with Kosovar police earlier this week. The deadly incident has raised international concerns about stability in Kosovo, which declared independence from Serbia in 2008. The president claims that Serbia still has territorial ambitions and wants to create tensions in Kosovo's north. Serbia denies involvement and blames Kosovo, saying it mistreated ethnic Serb residents. No group has claimed responsibility for the attack. 
The Paris prosecutor's office is looking into money dealings between Bernard Arnault, who owns LVMH, and a Russian businessman. French media said the probe centers on the purchase of more than a dozen apartments at a French ski resort. The prosecutor's office told Reuters that a preliminary investigation has been underway since 2022. Coming up, Brazilian couples are getting married in Rio de Janeiro. The country's iconic Christ the Redeemer statue is proving to be one of the most popular venues. And Burgundy's abundant woodlands and limestone soil make it prime truffle territory. Dogs pick up their scent, search and dig for the famous fungi. More shortly here on NTV News Today. Thanks for staying with us. If you're just joining us now, here are some of today's top headlines. House Speaker Kevin McCarthy says the border issue is out of control. He says Democrat leaders at different levels also agree. Republican lawmakers hope to include the issue in spending bills that are needed to avoid a shutdown. The United Auto Workers Union is launching new strikes targeting Ford and General Motors. The union leader directed additional 7,000 members to strike at assembly plants, but said that negotiations haven't broken down. Senator Dianne Feinstein passed away at the age of 90. She was the longest-serving female member in the U.S. Senate history. Lawmakers paid tribute to her legacy on the Senate floor, calling her a friend, leader, and hero. Elon Musk live-streamed a visit to Eagle Pass, Texas. He calls for greatly expanded legal immigration system and suggested barring entry for those breaking the law. New York City is dealing with torrential rains, flooding streets, and subway stations. The governor declared an emergency. About 25 million people are affected in the Northeast U.S. A wedding with a spectacular view. Brazil says many couples are choosing to get married in Rio de Janeiro. The city's iconic Christ the Redeemer statue is proving to be the most in-demand location to tie the knot. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the nuptials. Brazil's Guanabara Bay. Staff here are busy with last-minute preparations for another sunset wedding. Groom Joshua Meneses is ready to take the leap. He says the location was an obvious choice. Even though we live in Sao Paulo, we saw Rio de Janeiro as our first option for us to be able to marry and do our ceremony with this marvelous landscape. This part of Niteroi is so near the city of Rio de Janeiro, with a view of the Sugarloaf Mountain and Christ the Redeemer. His bride, Rafaela Goncalves, agrees. She explains why they chose to get married here. Mainly because of the view, which is beautiful, but also because we love the sea and we wanted to have a sunset, and God gave us a marvelous day. It was perfect. Wedding planners in Rio de Janeiro report an increase in destination weddings. Rio's tourism secretary, Gustavo Tutuca, says the city's landmarks are a big draw for couples. The demand here in Rio is very big. We have Christ the Redeemer, Sugarloaf. They're icons of international tourism, which are in demand by marrying couples from around the world. We're very happy with the growth of this market, which helps tourism grow year-round. Christ the Redeemer is a popular wedding destination, and spots fill up quick. Christ the Redeemer has more than 200 weddings per year. 
so the demand sometimes cannot even be met. The places used specifically for weddings are often taken or with a very tight calendar. That is an indicator that the market is in demand and there is great interest for Rio de Janeiro. Wedding planners agree the world-famous statue is the favorite spot for couples. Marrying at Christ the Redeemer is marvelous. It's a unique experience, unforgettable as much for the bride and groom as for the people organizing and working there. A special place for the big day. Andrew Thomas, NTD News. Abundant woodlands and limestone soil are prime truffle territory in France's Burgundy region. But it takes a special nose to sniff them out. NTD's Andrew Thomas has more on the delicacy and the dogs that find them. Tiger has picked up a scent. Now he needs to dig to find his quarry. Finally, he emerges with a small brown truffle. The dog is one of dozens who work for Thierry Bazou's truffle business. His passion for the fungi goes back to childhood. I remember my, I was a little guy. My grandfather put me on a tree, on oak trees. Sit down, don't move because we, okay? But you can eat this, it will be good for you. Finding truffles requires a nose more sensitive than a human's. That's where man's best friend comes in. We went to the forest to search truffle with a truffle dog, okay? And um, dog showed me where are the truffle. It's like this. You don't know really where are the truffle because truffle are under the ground. Almost any dog can be trained to find truffles. They just need to learn to recognize the scent and be rewarded for finding them. But many hunters opt for tiger's breed. There is a special breed. The name of this breed is Lagotto Romagnolo. And I decide to, to have this breed because it's a really, real gentle, uh, gently breed. Visitors here need to sample the finished product. Truffle shavings garnish pretty much everything coming out of Bezu's kitchen. We love truffles. We try to add it to our daily ration as much as we can. So we were just interested how it's harvested and all the process about it. For many, truffles are a special treat. I do like truffle, but I do not eat very often because the price. <laughs> so usually it's when I go to a uh, high posh restaurant. Burgundy's truffle season runs until December. An amazing journey to the bottom of the ocean revealed new insights on the final moments of three doomed ships in one of World War II's biggest battles. Let's take a look. Watch explorers get an up-close look at not one, but three sunken World War II aircraft carriers in stunning detail. The expedition, led by the Ocean Exploration Trust, offered an unprecedented examination of the carriers lost in the massive Battle of Midway in 1942. Researchers say they were able to survey one Japanese carrier, the Akagi, for the very first time since it went down. The underwater mission was live-streamed to the public and benefited from insights from more than 100 participating experts worldwide. The study could offer new details about the vessel's final moments in the pivotal battle. And now to a surprise revealed not by going down in the water, but by the water going down. Tower Rock, a formation in the Mississippi River, normally reachable only by boat, is now accessible by foot due to severe drought levels. The plummeting water line has made this the second year in a row that local looky-loos and intrepid trekkers can make this rare rock walk without getting their feet wet. A teenager has been arrested in connection with the cutting down of one of the UK's most photographed trees. 
The sycamore gap tree in northeast England was made famous in a key scene in Kevin Costner's 1991 film Robin Hood, Prince of Thieves. The tree stood in a dramatic dip in the Roman era Hadrian's Wall, a UNESCO World Heritage Site. It was also named English Tree of the Year in 2016. Northumberland National Park Authority said the landmark was deliberately felled overnight. Officials are investigating the incident and have urged visitors to stay away from the area for safety reasons. If you want to improve your sleep, ease headaches, and even reduce constipation, you may want to consider breakfasts rich in magnesium. Here's NTD's Gina Marie with Strong Mind and Body. A typical weekday for many starts with the snooze button. We eventually roll out of bed to start another groggy workday. But imagine waking up feeling refreshed and rested. The only change you've made is adding magnesium to your breakfast. About half of Americans are magnesium deficient. It's often due to depleted soils and so many chemicals that are present in our foods. The magnesium triad of symptoms include migraine, leg cramps and constipation. If people are suffering from these, it's almost certain they are magnesium deficient. A lack of magnesium can wreak havoc on your health. Deficiency has been tied to an array of common ailments. Studies show that many obese patients have inadequate intake of minerals. This includes magnesium. This is likely due to poor diet quality, especially the overconsumption of high-calorie, low-nutrient processed foods. Migraines take a major toll, ranking as one of the leading causes of disability worldwide. Researchers have linked deficient magnesium levels to an increased risk of migraine headaches. Magnesium can eliminate PMS symptoms by modulating neurotransmitters. This reduces muscle tension and promotes relaxation. Magnesium is involved in the metabolism of glucose in the body. Insufficient levels may impair insulin function. Magnesium typically has a laxative effect and is often used to relieve constipation. It works as an osmotic laxative. It draws water into the intestines and softens the stool. This makes it easier to pass. Ideally, we get magnesium through our foods, but sometimes we need supplementation while the gut heals. One tasty way to add more magnesium to your diet is to prepare breakfasts using magnesium-rich ingredients. Here are some traditional breakfast foods to consider that are rich in magnesium. Pumpkin seeds, chia seeds, spinach, avocado, soy milk, oats, milk, shredded wheat cereal, peanut butter, banana, and egg. Calling all stargazers! The last supermoon of the year peaked around 6 this morning Eastern Time, and it will still be bright this evening. It's closer to Earth than usual, which is why it looks bigger and brighter. This version is called the Harvest Moon as a nod to the fall season. Other names include Corn Marker Moon, Moon of Brown Leaves, or Autumn Moon. And this full moon is the inspiration for the Moon Festival in Chinese culture, which is today. Like Thanksgiving in the West, the Moon Festival involves family reunions and expressions of gratitude. People usually have gatherings in the evening to appreciate the Moon at its fullest. And that's all for the news today. Thank you for tuning in. I'm Chris Beers. Music